Serial Entrepreneur. Hello and welcome back to the Serial Entrepreneur podcast. I say welcome back as we did have a week's break last week as we hosted the Hustle Awards and we've just released our latest issue. So if you missed out, make sure you grab a copy. Now we're back and we're back better and I'm super excited to bring you today's guest in the form of Mark O'Hara, founder of Thrift, the startup that allows you to know what any item is worth on the resale market. Thrift builds software and infrastructure to help people behave more sustainably. But Mark is going to tell us all about that in greater detail. Mark, it's so great to have you on today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, I, I think we may need a, a bit more than half an hour to uh, to explain it. I often get get accused of uh, going into too much depth about things, so... Let's see how it goes. We can have all the time in the world. I'm really excited to hear about, obviously, what you guys are, are doing with Thrift because it's. I think it's such a great idea and obviously something that a lot of people will, I'm sure, get on board with if they haven't already. But before we delve into the nitty-gritty, as it is called the Serial Entrepreneur Podcast, we do have to ask everyone, what is your favourite breakfast cereal and why? Okay, so I, w- I wasn't going to say this, but I am. So my wife saw this question and she saw my answer and she said, you can't say that, it's too unhealthy. So, <laughs> but it's, it's crunching up cornflakes. So I think it's the nuts. Anything with nuts in is good for me. I think my wife was trying to get me to say like a slice of melon and some salmon, but no, crunching up cornflakes. It's the sugar and the nuts that do it. It's a solid choice. And I think as you get older, you realise that cereal is so great. You don't just have to have it for breakfast and it's like a treat. I I listened to one of the podcasts and somebody said Special K. (laughs) Special K. I didn't think that would be in anyone's top ten. (laughs) No. See, some people do play it safe and they say, oh, I start my morning off with porridge or, you know, now I'm an adult, I start my my day off with some granola. But then, like, I love the honest people like yourself and we've had people say, I still enjoy a bowl of Cocoa Pops. You know, it's the chocolatey milk at the end that does it for me. <laughs> yeah, special, I, special K, I think, to me, that's somebody trying to... Look organised. Yeah, yeah, that that's far too healthy for me to put in my list, I think. I commend them if that's in their if that's their top choice. Well done. Brilliant. Not for us. <laughs> yeah, no, unfortunately not. Well, it's such a pleasure to have you on today. And obviously to start us off, please just tell us a little bit more about yourself and your entrepreneurial journey and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, okay. So I th- I think first and foremost, given given that um you know, maybe some budding entrepreneurs will be listening to this, hopefully. I think anybody that glorifies the entrepreneurial journey is either lying, very lucky, or has a very wealthy support network because it's bloody hard. So I think I won the, the spouse lottery with my wife because since the since the concept, she's she's really been behind it, being behind me. You know, we've got two kids and, you know, she she gave the green light for us to to essentially take a year out to, to see how high I could get it off the ground. A little over two years later, you know, things are things are going OK. So, yeah, it is incredibly hard. But even still, I, I would I would dis- describe the entrepreneurial journey as as one that is always on the edge. 
absolutely always on the edge between failing and blowing up. And it's, it's like being a tightrope walker, but you've got a blindfold on and you're facing a 200 mile an hour head, headwind and you're a thousand feet up and someone's tickling you at the same time. It's, it's, that's the best way I can describe the emotions of being an entrepreneur. But my, my journey started probably around 2001. So I was, I was living on my own. I was um, 18 at the time. And I was studying uh, multiple jobs, uh, but still needed more money to, 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 to pay bills and, and things. And I, I set up a, a, an online sports nutrition retail business and it helped me pay some bills, but it was never going to do anything. I just, I, I simply didn't have the skills. And also I was, I was trying to do something because I was interested in it, not because there was a real problem. So I did that for a little while. And then by the time I got to 25, I, I needed to sort of pull my finger out and get a career. So um, I, I went into retail. I started as a store manager for a Tesco subsidiary and then went on and progressed to various roles from store manager to, to area manager, regional manager, head of retail, head of B2B, head of stores, all sorts of different roles. And what really stood out to me is I, I really enjoyed the startup type environments where every day was different, where unless you focused on real value for the end user, you were not going to move the dial in terms of performance. And I always kind of felt like I, that, that was my mentality. And, and I wanted to try and do something and build something that could actually add value and make the difference to people rather than just flogging vitamins, flogging clothes. So I'm 37 now. I started Thrift two years ago. And on balance, it's been brilliant. And um, I feel like I actually belong in the startup space. I feel like I'm starting to, to know what I'm talking about in terms of startups and early stage. Long may it continue. Definitely. And before I kind of, uh, we go into the story of, of thrift and obviously like what you guys do and what it is all about. Obviously, you, you started your, your first entrepreneurial dipping the toe in at 17, did you say? Yeah, 17, 18. Yeah. And so do you think that, you know, starting a business and being an entrepreneur and wanting that drive and you know running your own business is kind of in you have to be a certain type of person and you know you are that that sort of person and yeah although you know that the the first sports nutrition wasn't for you but you did know always know you wanted to run a business your own business yeah I think I think it's hard I think there's certainly something that is innate there's a big difference between say starting a a standard business which is hard enough but then starting a business on on the basis of it having a, a real true impact on on the world around you and being able to scale massively. And and that's the difference between startups and standard businesses, right? Isn't it? Is you know the and, and the world is made up by many brilliant businesses that are not startups and life wouldn't be the same without them. But a startup has that extra element of risk 
it's usually something incredibly innovative and incredibly risky. But if it works, and there's a huge chance it won't, it can usually scale really quickly, rapidly, and across multiple territories. And uh, I think that's the difference. I think I've always felt that way. I mean, I failed all my GCSEs at school. You know, I, I was just not very engaged. I would rather spend time with my friends and look out the window and draw silly pictures. Now I can't, I can't put, put books down. But yeah, I always felt like I could just, I need to do something for myself and for other people. Yeah, well, and that is exactly what the whole kind of point of thrift is. Like, obviously, I think it's fantastic. Tell us, tell us a little bit more, you know, I gave the little spiel at the beginning, but tell us it from the heart, you know, what is thrift and what is the goal and what is the mission? Okay, so I hate these questions because you've got to be really short, haven't you? But um, so uh, thrift vision is to support economic opportunity, encourage sustainability and to drive the circular circular economy with technology. So we want to build technology that lets users quickly and simply know what any item is worth on the resale second-hand market and where to sell it for the most profit. I guess in a nutshell, we're trying to bring transparency to the resale market. The bottom line is that that, that more people, if we, if we are going to continue buying and selling stuff we don't necessarily need, we need to encourage more people into the resale into the resale market and that is quite confusing at the moment even with the likes of ebay and etsy and depot it's still it's still incredibly hard if you if you want to buy or sell refurbished iphone 8 it's still incredibly hard to to do the comparison work to figure out what a fair price is for both buyer and seller yeah it's a world beyond me. Like, I always think, oh, I'll sell this, I'll do this. And then I think, oh, it's just not very really easy. Like, it's effort, it's time consuming. Where do I go to? Like, like you say, I know there's the Ebays and if you've got closes, like your Depops. But, like, if you don't know it very well, which is obviously what Thrift is here to kind of help with, then, yeah, like, it's a, it's a challenging world in itself, isn't it? It is. And, you know, humans, the human brain is brilliant, but... The human brain works on approximations. So the approximation is that Depot is for clothes, eBay is for vintage stuff, Etsy is for home craft stuff. The reality, if you if you throw hundreds, thousands of items through our system, is the reality is it you know it changes day by day. It really does, <laughs> and we are just not equipped to process all that information consciously and and then make a decision it, it, we just don't work that way so hopefully this is what our system can do or help with yeah definitely and where did the original idea come from like what made you kind of want to start you know helping people in this way oh well uh, i think 2018 is when we incorporated the co- company and we got our first sort of rounds of funding and resource but the 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 initial concept came in 2013 so I was working for a Tesco subsidiary called the Nutri Centre so at the time I was tasked with a small group to start expanding the sales of sports nutrition products so protein powders things like that and at the time it was great we had we had 
a bunch of stores and we had this huge warehouse in London like it was it was a dream all these nutritional products like everything you could imagine so we thought brilliant this is going to be really easy for us so we just started to blindly put items on eBay Amazon and online just assuming that they would sell and they didn't and it created a whole host of issues so it got to the point where I, I just felt like I was wasting my time so I created a really really basic and I am no technical wizard by the way uh, a really simple excel spreadsheet that just allowed us to do a little bit of the pre-work and figure out what the based based on the actual market price of that item that week what the gross margin would be once it's sold paid the fees paid the couriers things like that because we also had a certain gross margin we had to hit so that 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 sheet made it a hundred times easier and i always thought this this could really be useful at the time i, I wasn't i wasn't hugely aware or interested in the whole climate change debate sustainability i was i was relatively naive uh, in that sense but i did think there are people that avoid selling unused or unwanted stuff in the house which they could easily liquidate into cash but they avoid it because it's confusing and something like this could help the next you know seven eight years or whatever i i was just busy i was working mostly down south but i had a two kids and a wife in in the northwest anytime i got i was at home i had no bandwidth to do anything else once my working week was done and more often than not i was doing more work for the people i worked for so it just it was just one of those ideas that sort of lay dormant um that everyone has and you always think god i bet that could have done something but then in, around 2018 we came back off holiday four days later i end up in hospital and it turns out to be pneumonia and sepsis so i had a period of around five months where i was off work and i just had to recover and within a, a, a week or two of being out of hospital, I just thought I need to keep my mind active. And also, I need to reassess what I'm doing as a job because I need to do something that feeds my soul. So I had a couple of concepts, two technology concepts. One was a fitness centre with a bit of a modern twist, I guess. And I, I thought, I'll see, I'll see how far I can take these even if it even if it is just an exercise to keep my mind ticking over whilst I recover and yeah the the gym we got to a point where we could take a loan uh, or the fitness center but my wife and I thought it could be too risky which in hindsight with covid what a what an absolute gem of a decision and the other two were relatively low risk initially and um, what I thought relatively low cost. Yeah, one I went to Lancaster University, got them involved. Turned out it was too complicated for their uh, students to support with. Uh, and then one day, my wife, because my wife is on Twitter, I'm not, and she saw an advert come up, and it was for this um, 
you know, essentially an investment company that is part accelerator, part incubator. And she said, why don't you send your idea to them? So I did. And before I knew it, I was on the phone with them. Before I knew it, I was doing a three-month mentorship, I think it was. And then I was pitching for investment and resource from them. And it, it just snowballed relatively quickly. And I, I, I look back and think, like, how, how seamless did that feel? It was, I mean, the look was outstanding. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially choosing between them and, and then not knowing that COVID was going to hit incredible yeah originally i mean this is how naive i was the the two technologies that i wanted to do one was a version of thrift and one was one was a version of it was basically a fitness tracker that could predict results four weeks into the future so if you're weighing yourself you know if you continue as you are in four weeks this is what your weight would be and my co-founders are called nova uh, and they were interested, and I said, "I want to do both. I want to do both of them." And they were like, "No, we've never, we've never seen a co- uh, a founder do both, like two ideas at the same time." I was like, "I think I could do it." And how wrong would I have been? Like incredibly wrong. I'd have, I'd have landed on my face. But yeah, so it, you know, it's just it's amazing how it works, how it works out. Incredible. Yeah, everything happens for a reason. I'm definitely a firm believer of that one. I highly recommend listening to Pitch Deck by Nick Telson, a podcast where seed startup founders pitch to Nick and a guest, angel investor, and then face a live Q&A about the business. Nick and his guests then discuss the opportunity very openly. It gives you a great insight into how angel investors think and what they're really looking for, as well as hearing loads of cool startup ideas and how different founders pitch. Nick himself sold his company, Design My Night, and is now founder of Horseplay Ventures that has invested in 40 startups to date. Search Pitch Deck by Nick on all podcast streaming platforms. So why do you kind of think that, you know, thrift is needed, like, Obviously, you said, you know, you want to make it easier for people to want to sell stuff and then also find it easier to buy secondhand. And obviously, you know, we've been talking a lot recently at Startups Magazine about the circular economy and using technology to help that. Surely people, like I said myself, you know, if it was easier, I have plenty of stuff that I could sell. Why aren't people more on board? Is it just because it is too complicated and therefore is you know, is this solution that you guys have come up with, is this the future? I mean, obviously, fingers crossed, but yeah, what are your thoughts on it? I'm biased, I'd say it is the future. And I think one one piece of technology that does everything for you. But I guess the more marketplaces there are, so it's great that there are places like eBay, Etsy, Amazon, you name it. But the more marketplaces there are, the more confusion there is for sellers and buyers because they then start second guessing which marketplace is best, what price on the demand, the, you know, the supply and demand pricing for an iPhone 8 will be different on each of those platforms. So it gets to the point where somebody that isn't inherently engaged in the resale economy thinks, I'm not going to bother. I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it. I'll just leave my stuff or I'll donate them to charity. And 
for me, the, over the next five years, there's going to be so many more marketplaces opened up. You can see it uh, creeping in now, whether it's to buy and sell, whether it's to rent. And I believe that, that with Thrift, we are, we, we're building a key piece of infrastructure, essentially, uh, for the resale economy. And a, a system that gives absolute transparency to the user across multiple marketplaces. Uh, because I think that's what's needed. It's not that eBay and co are doing bad jobs. It's just that it is not in their interest to say, oh, you, so Mark, you, you want to sell this iPhone 8? Well, actually, if you, if you pop over to Facebook Marketplace, they're, they're, there's more demand for, for this item there this week. Then they're just not going to do that. So there needs to be an independent objective company that uh, provides that transparency. Definitely. And do you, obviously you help um, sellers and buyers see where the, the bigger demand is and, and kind of compare the different marketplaces. Do you also do any work in, say, like, you know, identifying where people might not be selling real things or, you know, other sort of issues that kind of arise with buying secondhand? There's so many places this thing could go. So just to give some context, our, our co-founders or my co-founders are like a, an accelerator incubator plus plus. They're the first in the UK doing what they're doing. They're, they're absolutely brilliant uh, to have on as co-founders. And they it's a company made up of two 200 plus technical experts, software engineers, pro, product managers, project managers, growth mentors, you name it. And what we do is, and we, we commit to it at the start of the company, is you know, we follow really strict lean methodologies. We, don't, we, we avoid making assumptions and executing on assumptions. We, we, we run tests. We run tests, we figure out whether we were right or wrong, and then we adjust. So for the first 14 months of Thrift, it was actually really difficult because I had no product there was no product in the pipeline. I had a concept and I had to get like groups of people involved to, so we could learn what, were, what the pain they were going through. So we spent 14 months doing customer discovery work. What we figured was, okay, across individual sellers, small business sellers and huge charity retail sellers, there are common questions that, that seem to be cropping up. Uh, what, what is the item? What is it worth? How much will you make after fees, postage, and all, all other associated costs? Question four is, is the, is the item likely to sell? And question five is, can I simply upload my item to multiple marketplaces? So we boiled it down to five questions. And question one, which is, what is the item? is largely being invested upon by the likes of Google, Lens, and Amazon Recognition, their technology where you just take a, you know, take a, a picture of an item and it will say, this is a desk with four chairs. So we, we ran a bunch of tests with the British Heart Foundation and their staff, and what we found was actually that technology is, is nowhere near as good as the most lay person just describing what's in front of them. So why invest millions to try and compete? So we thought we'll leave that to them 
and we could piggyback off an API in the future. And then at the other end of those questions is, can, can we simply upload to multiple marketplaces? So in that space, there's actually quite a lot of competition, particularly in the charity retail sector. Now, one of the reasons is that a lot of companies that have tried to tackle the pricing element have actually found it too complicated or too expensive or both. So they moved on and said, we will help you upload to multiple marketplaces, which is the easier of the problem. It's not an easy problem, but it's the easier. So what we thought is given that we take investment and we, there is a natural return that our investors will want to see eventually, we are ultimately going to have to tackle the hardest problems. That's where we, we focused in on the pricing element. Um, and that's where we want to become specialists. And there are so many avenues we can go down in, say, 12 to 18 months' time where we can work in into the user experience around maybe we can't tell what um, whether a Gucci bag is genuine or not, but we could maybe at least in the user experience, help educate people to know where those gaps are uh, and how to spot those fakes for that particular item. So we are still some time off there because we are just trying to focus on the pricing. But, um, you know, even even where you could scan jewellery and from the stamp, our system, knowing what the, what the jewellery is, is it 18 carat, 21 carat? These are all possible. We just have a finite amount of time and resource and money. The better we do, the more of each of those we get and we can uh, we can start tackling other problems as well. Of course. And when I first heard of you guys, Thrift, and then obviously like read about what you were doing, I automatically just assumed clothes. I think because when... I don't know why. I don't know why. Because like you say, eBay is one of the biggest marketplaces out there and they pretty much sell everything. Maybe it's just my age. When I think of, you know, secondhand reselling, I just think of like fast fashion and trying to sell you secondhand clothes. I know obviously you, you work with clothes. Obviously you work with the marketplaces, but yeah, would you cover any sort of item? Any item. So we've been in a British Heart Foundation store today speaking with the teams. Uh, we're running some some uh, tests with them at the moment and um, we do we do tests with their teams and we we say just go and pick 10 10 items any item make it as difficult or as random as you want and um, yeah anything our system you can get a price for any item from antiques furniture electronics clothing um, you know, it, it was it was a really difficult problem that we were trying to solve. Had I, had I actually realised how difficult it was, I would never, I don't think, have had the courage to uh, to pitch it in front of a technology investment panel. <laughs> so so ignorance can be bliss. Yeah, no, definitely. And you know, why do you think it is? so important that you know we are starting to pick up on more secondhand selling secondhand buying like is it also the responsibility of the bigger companies because if they keep mass producing 
is there then wastage if people are starting to jump on the, you know, secondhand resale, recycle, circular economy, but they're making all these products, are they then going to waste? Is this a another problem that you guys are kind of... I've got such a bugbear with fake news, false facts and greenwashing. I can't stand it. I hate it. So when you when you see the likes of Asda doing a huge PR campaign that... Um, they're now selling, uh, you know, circular c- clothing that has been brought back in. And, you know, in these huge stores, it's essentially two or three gondola ends of, of clothing. And you're thinking, really? Like, do, do people... Unfortunately, I think people are, are falling for it. But then you've got Tesco that are making a huge song and dance around how they have dropped plastic bags and you know um that that like no pun intended well there is a pun intended it is a drop in the ocean and it's certainly a drop in the ocean compared to what they could be doing and should be doing and i think i think the point that you're making is is um you know it is important for individuals to 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 try and engage in the sustainability and resale market because it's just the right thing to do. But I think ultimately it is, and, and we are so far down the road that ultimately it needs corporate companies, executive boards to make real change and and to stop the rhetoric. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like you're saying, we, we want everyone to get on board with making changes to work towards our lifestyles and towards helping in sustainability, recycling the circular economy. And, you know, if everyone does something, it can make a difference. But at the same time, like you say, it is a little bit disheartening because, you know, like you said, as much as any if everyone in the world start doing it, it is up to the organisations as well. Because Yeah, and I think it's one of those where you know the the saying used to be you ha- you need to do it for your children's future and your children's children's future unfortunately that is no longer the reality the reality is it you know these changes need to be made for our own futures now that that's how quickly it's coming down the line and you know it's it's quite sad that when i, I read a stu- uh, a study the other day and 7 out of 10 adults say that their recycling agenda at home is led by their children and their children will tell them off if they're putting things in the wrong wrong tubs and that's that's part part brilliant and part heartbreaking because you know there's so many years until these kids have grown up and can actually make an impact so yeah i think i think yes we do as individuals need to make an effort I'm not perfect. I, I've got a diesel car. I would like an electric car. But the, if I was to get an electric car where I live, there's no infrastructure on the roads. So similar to uh, the COVID um, crisis, I think when, whenever there is a, a fundamental crisis in society, that is where the governments need to step in and start to show leadership because there there is huge infrastructural changes that are needed 
to to live more sustainably and to bring carbon emissions down and all things like that and it cannot be i think i think trying to put it on the individual is is um quite a, a poor show of leadership from both corporate executives and uh political leaders definitely and i think it's also important that we are continuing to educate and just even talk about it even if people have already been educated we'll remind them because it is definitely something that slips to the back of pe- a lot of people's minds like you say it's the children that are like come on mum put this in the right bin or etc etc and and having businesses like yours is incredible but we now need to know for everyone to know about you guys do you know what I mean so like yeah. I, I, like you were saying it's definitely also on the shoulders of the leaders and the big companies and the big brands that have the power to talk to a lot of people because I don't think people are fully realizing yet the the consequences and and the impacts and is this something that's always been a, a a massive passion of yours I mean obviously you've you've created this business for a reason but yeah has it always been something that's close to your heart not not the environmental side not that not that I was anti it or against it or anything like that I was just I was just I guess ignorant naive to it I've always had a you know a lot of empathy for people that struggle I know what it's like to not be able to afford to pay for gas one week or electric the next week when I was living on my own and uh, you know the 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 fundamental piece around uh, the original concept of thrift was about this this could probably help people buy and sell a little bit easier but then as the years went on my mother-in-law is a real activist locally because fracking was was looking to be to, looking to take place around our local area and she was you know first in the door to say no this isn't right these are the studies and I do like my evidence-based decision making and I've always I've always known I've got a voice I maybe didn't use it in the right way and uh, I think I think just seeing people like maybe my mother-in-law you know say actually no this isn't right we have to think about other people made me start to think actually yeah this is this is a really important topic and then working in some of some of these larger companies where i'm thinking you know i've i've just been asked to 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 drive three and a half hours to do a 15 minute audit that could have been done virtually it started to really annoy me and that's where that's where it, you know the concept of thrift uh, although although initially was around economic opportunity is also now about sustainability and i think you know we have great technology technology can can do great things it's just getting the right people to build it in the right way uh, so that it makes things a lot easier for everybody else yeah yeah no a hundred percent like i couldn't agree more you're hitting the nail on the head I'm assuming that when people have started using Thrift or, you know, have come across you or met you, heard of you, they, they're fully on board. I can't imagine many people kind of, you know, being against it. But have there been other challenges that have arisen for you as a business or has there been some kind of people against Oh, you, you'd, you'd, you'd say... <laughs> so, honest to God, the trolling I got initially when when I was trying to... so. 
So when we were starting the customer discovery work, we have to do lots of surveys, quantitative, qualitative surveys, hundreds and hundreds. We have to speak to hundreds, thousands of people that sell or want to sell or have thought about selling but decided not to, to try and build up a picture of the problem and what a solution could be. And in in those early days, it was it was really, it was quite difficult because I even had family members that would say, I wouldn't use it, I wouldn't use it. And it's like, well, why wouldn't you use it? I just wouldn't use it. Well, <laughs> that's, <laughs> give me a little bit more, please. But I think as a non-technical founder, developing a complicated technology or technology company and asking for resource and money from a team of technical experts was quite difficult. It felt quite difficult, but retrospectively looking back, it you know, we we were incredibly lucky. But I think also, I think the two the two main challenges were probably self doubt, and I would say I'm quite a confident person, and the technical challenge of trying to make order out of such a chaotic environment because there's, you know, there's thirty different ways that you can word Marks and Spencers. And you have to train and build it into the system so it recognises that for everything. So I think if from a self-doubt perspective, maybe not self-doubt, I don't, I don't know what the term would be, but if somebody was setting up a coffee shop locally, you know, to fulfil their soul and do what they've always wanted to do, they'd get a pat on the back and supported, and rightly so, most definitely. But aiming to build something that can add significant value, that is truly innovative and that can scale rapidly when, when, when it's finished and when it's ready, with a 90% plus chance of failing within two years, is not as easy a pill to swallow for people, particularly, yeah, so, so um, it's not easy for your support network to immediately understand or comprehend what you're trying to do. So yeah, you've got no visuals, you've got no customers, you've got no product. uh, And for 14 months, you're just sort of swanning around having coffees and people are thinking you've got, Mark, you've got two kids and a wife and a mortgage and what, like, what, what are you doing? Where, where's this thing that we can use? So that was quite difficult. And then the prototype development technically was really harder than I had, I had imagined. So there's plenty of software out there that can that can tell you the price for barcoded items. Uh, that's relatively easy, but it hasn't been achieved yet for non-barcoded items because it's incredibly dynamic. And like I said, there's 30 different ways of, of writing Marks and Spencers. Does it have spaces? Does it have an and symbol? Or is it written and? Or is it M&S? Or is it Marks and Spencers or M and Spencers? You know, these are all things that we've we have to consider for every type of product. So yeah, they I'd say they're the two biggest challenges so far. Definitely. Well, it sounds like you've you know you have faced your fair share, and and it it does surprise me that you know people weren't as on board as you know you'd think they would be. But you've done an incredible job, and yeah, it is amazing to see what you have done. So I'm sure you have, but like you you should be very proud of yourself. Thank you. And also, it isn't always bad that people, you know, slam your idea. If you can get out of them, why? 
because you can you can learn so much from it. Yeah, like you were saying, would you use it? No. Well, tell me why then, and then I can improve it. I can change things. I can improve that. If it's just a no, then you're not going to learn from that. You're not going to be able to change it and make it appeal to more people. Exactly. Exactly. Well, big question to finish on then. What is next for thrift? Short term, long term? Have you got big plans? Okay, so in April, we just secured uh, another bunch of funding and resource to tie us for the year. So our, our aim is by April next year to get product market fit. How we get there is another story. You know, we've got interest from a bunch of charity retailers. Our target is to support charity retail initially because the breadth of products is just amazing and it helps us make our system more intelligent and ultimately we would like it to be available to general consumers. So if we can get to a point by April next year where we are the trials have gone well and we are across multiple of these charity retailers that we're currently working with then I would really like to start adapting our system for the US market. Yeah, I was going to say, are you going to go yeah. global eventually? or? Oh, ab- ab- absolutely. I mean, we, we couldn't simply just, you know, change the conversion rates or anything for the, the monetary figures. We'd, there would have to be actual changes. But we when we were doing that 14 months of customer discovery, we, we did all, also do a UK and a US cohort of user panel people and um, the response from the US group was just amazing to the point where we we did have conversations about well do we just need to get out to the US do this research that would have been too disruptive uh, and too costly but the feedback over there the the love for thrifting where you go in and find deals and sell them and is is like tenfold on the UK yeah no, 100%. And the name, you've really hit the nail on the head there as well. Like, what a great name. And it, it, you know, it's short, it's snappy, it's memorable, it's so suitable. Like, yeah, I love the name. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I have a huge chip on my shoulder because there's another company called Thrift Plus. And uh, they're a different company entirely. They do, they're, they're more like a logistical, you send your stuff in, clothing, and they'll sell the clothing for you. And, uh, you know, they, they're doing good things. But, um, yeah, I always have a chip on my shoulder because we actually own the trademark for Thrift. So um, every time somebody contacts me, I'm like, are you sure you don't mean Thrift Plus? Because they were on the Dragon's Den. But, like, you guys you guys contacted me. I said the same to you. And you were like, no, this is you, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. We want this Thrift, not Thrift Plus. Yeah. We want this Thrift. No. I totally agree. Totally agree. It's more scalable. Definitely. And I'm so excited to kind of follow your journey even further and see where you are in, in April. And yeah, just congratulations on everything. It's, it is so inspiring to see. So thank you for being my wonderful guest thank today. You. Thank you for reaching out. Serial Entrepreneur.